he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hey kids, welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and movement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week, miles away from the one and only, my one and only, Alex Postalidis. <laughs> Hi, sweetness. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? It's, yeah, I'm all right. It's uh, it's been a crazy July, uh, not in a good way, but in a no. in a in a solemn way. And uh, you know, I'm here in the bedroom actually that I grew up in. It's a little three bedroom, one house, one bath house in North Beach, Florida, where my parents uh, lived. And um, I'm in the bedroom that I was. And I used to sleep in this bedroom with my brother. We had a trundle bed, trundle bed, mm-hmm. right? That's what mm-hmm. they were called. Yeah, the one that comes out underneath. One, exactly. My brother slept on the trundle and I slept on the bed. Um, and that was purely for joy because when my brother, my brother is like almost 100% deaf. He has a little bit of hearing. So as kids, we thought it was funny when we would sneak up to his bed and snap the little, uh, you know, bar underneath and have the trundle bed fall to the ground with him in it to wake him up. Oh, he slept in the trundle. My poor brother. Oh my God, is it any wonder? Um, (laughs) Yeah, he slept in the trundle and room is about the size of uh, my office, which is where you are right now. Mm-hmm. It's smaller. It's actually smaller than than my office. I would I would say it's probably like a um, hundred square feet in here. It's very, 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 very uh, small and uh, quaint. And uh, it's kind of an interesting place to be right now. I did lose my father last Saturday. He was 90. And um, those of you who know me and had the opportunity to meet him know Mm -hmm. that he was just one gem of a guy. Yeah. I was such a, so have a dad like him. Um, So easy, so uh, forgiving and kind and warm and funny and generous and, um, you know, very low expectations, uh, but very high praise and pride. You know, it was just um, a really great guy who, who taught us all the value of work and integrity and honor. And um, the one, um, there's so many things about, you know, as you know, you, you've lost both your parents we don't like to really talk about death, but, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that it is an event in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's basically a covenant that we sign when we enter into this world that we're going to leave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no other way, you know, and so 
there's a very practical piece to death and there's also um, there's a side of death that's funny and and just filled with love you know mm -hmm. you Absolutely. immerse yourself in, in memories you know um, you know for example the last time my folks, not the last time, but the time before, this would have been 2021, my folks came to San Diego. We had a party for my father's. It was his 89th birthday. And we also drove to Las Vegas for a few days to meet my sister and her husband and uh, to celebrate my father's birthday there. And <laughs> my father sat in the back seat. And every once in a while, I would hear, Usually if I was going too fast or speeding around a car, but every once in a while, and it just cracks me up to think about that to this day. And there's so many more like that. Um, so we immerse ourselves in the memories and in the love and the concern that just surrounds us all. And thank God, my mother, who is also 90 and will now live here with my brother, um, I think she has a community around her that will check on her. I've seen it already taking place and I, I just keep encouraging it. Um, you know, I'm buying somebody cookies to come over and make sure I said to my mother today, she owes me nothing except to visit you. That's all I want. <laughs> so I think that's just key because I'm concerned about her spending too much time alone. Well, it is because the hardest part um, when the loved one passes, having gone through this multiple times, is the business at hand after. And I know we Greeks, we extend it out and we extend it out for a purpose. And that is it keeps family around, it keeps your mind engaged. When all of that is over and everybody goes away, it's that time when the grief really sets in and it becomes difficult. So to have people there and to share stories and to laugh and remember, it's not about forgetting. You don't want to do that, but just to have that companionship, that's, that's key. That was the hardest thing when my mom passed is after everything was said and done and the family went back to Rhode Island and I was standing in an empty house with my father and I didn't know what to do. Right. Yeah. There is no forgetting. That's, that's crazy thinking. It's just, you're right, it's about putting those things aside because there's plenty of time to harbor those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's plenty of alone time in your own mind. So, right, it's just relieving yourself of that and giving yourself some respite. And I have to say, you know, um, my mother, I, I've spoken about her on this podcast before and she is a remarkable woman. Yeah, she is. And she's 90, she did not have an easy life. I know we all say that about her parents, but you know, I think her circumstances were a little, uh, a little different than most. And mm -hmm. she, I think it gave her some resiliency that we didn't know existed because um, she's very strong and it's great to see, but I, I, I am concerned that once the once all of the hubbub dies down and the distractions end, um, that will happen. They must be Greek here in South Florida because <laughs> it's that we've learned a few things. We've learned a few things. The suit I brought with me, I don't, I don't need. 
because we're coming back for a memorial and a funeral because there was no way that was going to happen mm-hmm. in the time that I'm here. And I'm here for two weeks after his death. So, um, and it's going to be another two weeks after that, that we're actually able to put him um, to rest. And there are a couple of reasons. He's being cremated, number one. And number two, he's being, um, he's being set to rest at a veteran cemetery here in South Florida, one of very few in the state. And so of course they have their procedures. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, so we're having to come back and I, I agree with you, the longer the distractions, the better it is uh, for my mom. And, you know, I've already extended the invitation, come out, spend some time with us. But I think I'm going to have to repeat that because I think that too could help her just to get, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to be able to nip it in the bud. Like the minute she's feeling that take her away. Cause I don't want her to get immersed in it. Mm-hmm. That's my concern. Yeah. She may not. You know, she may not. She's resilient. And again, you know, she's just incredible. Today we went to the credit union and uh, it took us three hours, but we got a lot done and she enjoyed the ride. And uh, we saw parts with of you. Miami. We were together, exactly. Uh-huh. And we saw parts of Miami I didn't even know existed, uh, which was very much a mind trip. But, um, you know, here we are in July, and I spent the first part of this podcast going on and on about what's going on here. But can I just say one thing, though, before we move on, I just have to tell you this. So Ileana met your dad, uh, you know, when she when they were here, this their their last trip, and Ily was helping with the dogs and everything. And she came home one day and she goes, Oh, my God, she this is what she says. And she means no offense when she says it, but she always says, I love old people. They're so cute. (laughs) <laughs> and she said, and Anthony's dad said, I want to be the one to pay the little lady. <laughs> and she just <laughs> loved that. Right. She, and, you know, she, when I told her what was going on, she was very saddened. And she said, I really, really liked him, mom. We had the sweetest conversation when I was there and he was so funny and nice. And she was genuinely, genuinely sad to hear that news. Thanks. Thank you for that. And thank you for that memory. I recall that now. It's the night he won some money and he was feeling his oats. And and he wanted to pay the young lady. He did. I was like, you pay the young lady, damn it. That's right. (laughs) You go ahead then. (laughs) And I remember looking at her and said, nope, he's paying you. (laughs) Yeah, he was was, uh, really a great guy. Yeah. Mm really a great guy. And, you know, uh, so I know we were going to move on, but this is the, this is what we take with us. And that is the love, the concern. I mean, people are coming out of the woodwork to call my mom and express their condolences. And people are coming from New Jersey. Trish is coming to the, to the memorial. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. And Scott, whose brother has a birthday next week is extending his his trip to be there. And so, um, you know, I just feel so, so grateful. We all do for all the love around us. That's that. And the fact that God, God, God was with us when two, on two things, two things, one, the stroke that he had in 2019, albeit nobody wants to go through that. And I know it chipped away at his 
his self-image afterwards. He had a hard time speaking. It prepared us all. I think mm -hmm. at that point we all knew, you know, the clock was going to be ticking and we got, I think we started to get a little comfortable because it had been two and a half years. Um, so we had that to give us time to understand what was happening and to um, share the love. And, you know, it's so much better than losing somebody suddenly and without yes. notice. Uh, that's tough. And the fact that God love him, he was able to that first stroke and get through rehabilitation before COVID and then have the second one after. So, I mean, as, as super, superfluous sounds, as, as crazy as that oh. sounds, it means something because we were able to be with him. Yes. On those occasions when he was recuperating and when he was, when he was breathing his final breath. I mean, Oprah wrote about her father in the paper who also just died and about her experience and it mirrored mine. It was, I don't think I would want to have it any other way. It was, it was awful and beautiful all at the same time, you know? Yeah, it is. So. It's an amazing thing to be with them. And as I could say about my parents is they were there when I took my first breath and I was there when they took their last and I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, we have to remember that um, it's these these um, milestones that we reach in life that are most important. And, and that really does speak to events and entertaining and taking the time to celebrate. Uh, I would say that's the takeaway from mm -hmm. today is that is what's important. And if you are in a position where you can celebrate with someone, do it. Even if you don't think that person is very much celebratory themselves. Everybody likes a little surprise celebration and, you know, uh, you gotta make something happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had to force my parents to come out and visit on my father's birthday. I had to pull teeth to get them to come, but they loved it so much. He looked forward to coming again and that is worth so much more than the I regrets. I wish right. I had tried. I wish I had so, and I'm so, I, I just, I can't express that enough. And I have to say, I, I think that my, my sister understands that too, because I had to push her a bit to celebrate some things. And now, like she, you can tell, she feels at peace and she loves him like I love him. He is in our hearts. He has always been in our hearts. He will always be in our hearts. Mm -hmm. But we're at peace. Leave us. Because to grab those moments and make something of them as small, as minute as they are, as inconsequential as they may seem, that is what matters at the end of the road, not what you drive and what you wear and the kind of house you have, but what 
is filling your life? Is it celebration? Is it joy? Is it laughter? If it isn't, maybe you should rethink it. It's July. It's July. It's usually my favorite month of the year. I love really? July. Why? Oh, okay. First of all, San Diego weather. That. Yes. San Diego weather is usually sublime in July. Mm -hmm. It's a great month, right? I have to say, I've been the last couple of weeks here in South Florida, and the days are really muggy and hot, but the evenings haven't been so bad, but still San Diego rocks in July. Second, July has uh, is the month with the most longest of the year. I do believe that's true. Maybe it's June. It might be June. Well, because the longest day is June 21st. That's correct. But July, the days are just, all oh, yeah. the days just feel really, really long, right? Yes. Until the end. And then it feels like, oh. Oh, no, no. What's oh, happening? No. Oh, no. Uh, and then thirdly, it's, it's Pride Month right. in San Diego, and it's Comic-Con Month in San Diego, and it's, it's all about happenings in San <laughs> Diego. And this month, especially after two years of dormancy, it's nice that we are going to be celebrating again yes. live. Uh, D'Angelo is working as he is. So D'Angelo, as we, we've spoken before, is crazy busy this summer. I think he owns the summer. Would, would you agree? Or are you are you owning the summer too? No, I I was busy in June, really busy in June, and busy ish in July. But small, there's small events. So it was a lot of them, but they were small. Nothing like what D'Angelo's doing with all the traveling and the big, huge events and everything that entails, you know? So I, I would say I rent a room in June and July, but D'Angelo owns the house. Oh, okay. Um, yay, D'Angelo. Yeah. Where, where are we going? Where are you taking us? <laughs> Disneyland, uh, taking you to Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does. He, he has the shows. He's had the shows that we talked about in Chicago and Los Angeles and uh, San Francisco. And uh, now he's embarking on the actual Pride Parade, as well as the evening party, uh, which is uh, not a, I do believe it's a sanctioned party. I'm not quite clear there. Uh, but it is the big party for Pride on Saturday evening, and it's on board the Hornblower Inspiration, and it is being hosted by our good friend Joe, and uh, it should be, I believe it's already sold out. That's incredible. It's sold out, yeah. It's, it's always a sold out party, and uh, it's it's actually, now that I recall, and I'm getting a little note from the Joe Whitaker mm -hmm. Escapade Pride Cruise. And uh, it's, it's, it's a sellout. I mean, first of all, the ship holds, I think, a little over 1,200, I think. But um, tickets go so quickly. And then if you've got if you 1,200, you can uh, they go quickly. Um, 
And it's, uh, it's a type of party that if you don't get into it and on the boat, just go to the dock and just watch everyone. That's a party in itself. Getting on the boat, hanging around the boat, uh, it's definitely a sight to be seen. In addition, the parade, which uh, is a pretty long parade. We have three floats in the parade that D'Angelo is working on. Uh, he's given me the numbers of the floats. I re remember that we're doing the first float, number one, and then 104 or 109, and then one other one as well. So there'll be it'll be a long day. The parade starts at 10 and will likely end until 2. It's going to be a long parade on University Avenue in the Hillcrest section of San Diego and then makes a left-hand turn down 6th Avenue and heads towards the Balboa Park area, at, lands in Balboa Park, and that's where the festival takes place. Uh, that's a two-day festival. Uh, they'll have headliners there and concerts and several stages uh, set up. And uh, it'll be, you know, festivities from from uh, early afternoon, early from morning until I should say, for, I should say from morning until morning. Yeah, because the festivities for some don't end at all; they just keep partying. So D'Angelo is working on the the costume and the talent for these three floats, and uh, you know, people might think, oh. Not a big deal, but it is because oh, it's all wow. representing the look, the brand, mm -hmm. the image. Uh, you know, we're not talking about, and there's nothing wrong with it, but we're not talking about nightclubs or, uh, you know, um, businesses that are uh, local. We're talking about national companies that are going to have a presence at the parade. And some, some people might find it offensive, Actually, feel a bit like it's becoming too much, too corporate. But honestly, I have no problem with it because it's been corporate for a very, very long time. And there's there's been corporate sponsorship for a very, very long time. In the festival where the booths are set up, most of that has been about uh, corporate representation or selling something. So uh, I have no problem with them finally making a mark, making a mark in the parades. Well, it's making and, a statement too. And, you know, this is America yes. as corporation goes. So does America. Yes. And also what they're doing is they're, they're raising the level, if you will, yes. of expectation for the parade and the, the level of the look and the level of creativity, the, the floats. I, I remember them prior to 2019, the last parade that we had, I remember seeing looking at them in awe because i we we don't ha we didn't have parade floats mm -hmm. that ornate prior to then at least in our parade here in san diego and so i find it to be a really uplifting trend that uh that corporations are willing to cough up more dough to make a more elaborate statement mm -hmm. in the parade and to showcase themselves. I think that's a better um, use of money than selling crap at a booth, to be quite honest with you. 100%, um, because that's what people are gonna remember. They're not gonna remember the crap at the booth. 
They're going to remember no. the big, huge, beautiful, ornate, all the work that goes into that. And the display and what that display represents, what that display is celebrating and honoring. Yes. And if you think about it from a sponsorship point of view, I'm going to offer this. When you only do the festival, a table at a festival or a booth at a festival, and you are not represented in a big way in the parade, you're doing yourself a, a disservice mm -hmm. because it's a give and take in the sponsorship world uh, and in the festival world. And in the parade, you give. And in the festival, you take. And I don't mean that literally. I mean that in the parade, you show off a bit and people get to get, a, you, you get people excited about how big and well you're showing off. And then in the festival, they come to you. Yes. And you're able to connect with them, get their cards, get their you know in, information, sell them something, but they come to you willingly because you've given them something in mm -hmm. advance that inspires them to stop. That's what that's about. Yep. So if you're only doing half of it, you're not doing yourself a, a real service in terms of your sponsorship dollars because the other half is to really make a splash in the parade. I see, I think the most bang out of the giveaways is when you give them out at the parade. So you've got thousands of them and you've got a, a horde of people, a cavalcade of people handing things out. That's impactful. That's more impactful than having a booth. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a parade float, you go over and above. Yeah, it's, it costs money, but that's part of the deal. And if you really want to make a splash, that's, that's what you do. It's the give and the take. Mm -hmm. And I understand it costs money, but that's just the beginning of the equation, you know, is the money. It's just the beginning. Well, and if you want to show people you care and give back to the community, that's that's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, the phone. That's what you do. And this is a this, yeah, ring, ring, ring. Good, ring. good, good. Um, keep ringing. This is, a, this is a great year for people to come out and show their pride. This is <laughs> the best year for people to come out and show their pride because uh, we need the support. We need it nationally. I'm driving around Florida and I'm, I'm, I'm really buoyed to see on bill, big billboards, you can say gay. I'm really happy to see that it. on big billboards as I drive around Miami uh, because, you know, they're really battling some things here under the guise that we are securing Americans' rights. Well, whose rights? I don't understand. I'm not, I guess I'm not part of that America. Well, neither um, am I because mine are all being taken away. So yeah. we won't get political. Yeah. No, we won't. Not this day. Um, we're here to celebrate. So there's the pride. And then there's the Comic-Con. And what we'll have going on in San Diego will be a plethora of setups happening very very soon in fact what's today the 12th i would imagine they'll they'll start as early as this weekend maybe even friday you'll start to see 
the beginnings of event setups, uh, structures being set up throughout downtown San Diego in any uh, rentable space, uh, including uh, the sides of the Hilton and maybe even the Marriott uh, where they'll do a giant cling of some upcoming superhero, something or other. And, uh, and then everyone will descend. And the week of Comic-Con will be, um, well, let's just say you don't need a ticket to Disneyland. Just take a ride downtown and walk around for a couple of hours, uh, sip on a soda, and uh, you know, you, you're done. You don't need anything mm -hmm. more. Um, just take a new I've never been. I've never been to Comic Con. I want to go. Moly. I know. Okay. I know. Well, well, my nephew and his um, wait, we never know what to say. His live-in girlfriend, and that just does not seem like enough. And there's a whole reason why I'm on this topic, but um, they're coming to Comic Con, and uh, they are going to be there every day so maybe we could just go over there and check it out you don't have to go in you don't have to go in because it's really one big trade show yeah so you go you know i mean that's really what it is and you can start in hall a and go all the way all the way all the way all the way down and it's just one booth after another the floor plant's enormous um but it's everything that happens around it it's all right. of the people that come out and the brand aficionados that that come out in spades, you know, all decked up, decked out. I have a question for you. I mean, San Diego's always kind of been considered the redheaded stepchild of L.A. And I don't think that way because I'm a native and I think it's the best city on the planet. How did Comic-Con come to San Diego? Why isn't it in LA. Well, Comic-Con has been in San Diego since I want to say 1971. And it started at a, as a very, very, very small little, little uh, conference with, you know, people who were into comic books. It was nothing special, nothing, you know, renowned. And uh, it it grew a very slow growth. And San Diego, uh, for as long as I can remember, and that's probably 20 years now, has, has understood the value of a show like Comic-Con to the local economy. And so because of the value, the, the city has worked really, really hard to keep Comic-Con here. I think that's and great. The, yeah, and the expansions that we've experienced and the ones that we're trying to get through uh, of the convention center primarily focus on Comic-Con as, uh, as a conference a convention that we want to retain here in the city and a reason to keep expanding. The recent COVID issues i think has given us a bit of a moratorium on that because now it's about gaining momentum back and seeing where numbers really fall and it is quite possible that while 
The show will sell out this year as it does every year and it may already be sold out. I, I don't follow the ticket sales, quite honestly. I, I'm sure there's concern that it won't draw the same number of people that it has in the past because that's the concern across all conferences and public events this year, given that some people are still COVID concerned and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, won't come. So that's one thing. The other thing is that if you're Comic-Con, then it really is much easier to stay put than to go from city to city to city, number one. Uh, you Until you establish that, it, it's a rotation, if you will, then you you are stuck with um, training right. every convention center and city you go to as to how they need to deal with your conference, and that that becomes very you know arduous. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier to sit down in a city. It also gives you some negotiating power, as I said earlier. The city does everything it can to keep Comic-Con here. So that, that gives Comic-Con a great deal of negotiating room to say, to state their needs and to get the city to cough up where Comic-Con feels it's needed. The other thing that I'll say is there are no dummies. And while it costs money for their exhibitors and um you know for their panelists to come to san diego people who live in la love to come to san diego yeah they don't mind it and it's a prettier city mm -hmm. it's a better convention area vibe mm -hmm. um and um it's got a cachet that I think it's grown and maintained because it's it's kept the show here. It wouldn't have that cachet in LA. In LA, I think it would have been just another show. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, it's Comic-Con. But remember, it's not been this big for for that long. And so I think it would have had a harder time finding its itself in LA. LA is a very, you know, for people who don't know Los Angeles, it's very widespread and it's every area is different from the other. And downtown is very different from Hollywood. It's very different from Beverly Hills. And um, the vibe downtown is still not as friendly and safe as it is in San Diego. And so... And it's That's just not as pretty. Answer. It's just not as pretty. I mean, you think you're down at the convention center, you're right there near the water. It's just, it's just a beautiful area. So. It really is. And, uh, and they, again, they, they, they have the, they've got the floor plan, you know, they've got the floor plan and now it's about tweaking it. Honestly, I think also from an event production and planning point of view, it's ideal to mm -hmm. sit in a city if you can, because then what you're doing yearly is you're 
building a better experience. Yep. You're building a better show. You're you're taking all of the learnings from the year four and you're putting them or some of them right. into play. Whereas when you're moving around, you're constantly dealing with the unknown. Even if you're laying down in three cities on a on a rotation, because you've got to remember those. They're each distinct, right? So you've got to go back to plan one after you've done plan two and plan three. And trust me, that confuses people. Mm -hmm. It's not a huge concern, but it does. It means more work until people start to get in that rhythm. And as is always the case, you're dealing with different people in those venues. There's a possibility, very good possibility that when you go back, the people won't be the same. So now you're dealing with that as well. Look, that's going to happen everywhere you go, but it's one last, one little element that you're able to to not worry about if you're going to the same city, you know? Yeah, when In you have words, that... Staff... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. When the, if the staff mm -hmm. changes, that's yeah. okay because everything else is the same. Right? right. When you build that consistency, consistency, blah. I've been having trouble with a couple of words this week. I don't know what's wrong. I must need dental work or something. Um, but when you, when you have that, <laughs> yes, no, that's it. When you have that and you erase the bigger unknowns, it is like you said, it's easier to build and, you know, bigger and better. You have, you have the room right. to grow without the fear. Right. And, and could I just, um, could I just, uh, make sure that we understand that easier in the sense of enabling growth and mm -hmm. change and uh, making the experience better. Yes. Not, oh, it's easier. I don't have to worry. Right. No, no, no. Because, you know, some people do find that a bit offensive that they would be, uh, they would be considered uh, taking it easy if oh you know, they're not. Nothing of this scope is yeah. easy. Nothing is easy, even if every single element remained exactly the same, which it doesn't. But even if it did, something of that size and scope is never going to be easy. Right. It's a lot of work, a lot of planning. Because there are a lot of people involved. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say that I'm a little jaded. So take this with a grain of salt, but it's the people that will make it the hardest or the easiest for you and it's the it's the organization you come with in advance that sets the tone so if you are organized and you know what you're doing and you are clear and concise with people you have a better shot at getting them to follow your rules if you come with a with a haphazard plan or a disorganized uh, vibe, they're going to do what they want because they're not going to trust right. that you're going to come through or be able to do what you say or are even going to be there when they get there for the final show. So um, you can, as the planner, as the producer, guide that, but it really is all about being prepared in advance understanding what questions they're going to ask you so that you can answer them in the most concise, clear way possible. You got to set that tone or you do have pandemonium and things do get crazy because people 
here's the thing about us, and we're all the same. So I, I cast no dispersion here, no aspersions. This is about the human, the human context. We don't worry about things until we have to worry about them. And for everybody, that's different. For somebody who's really prepared, they're going to worry about them maybe three months in advance. What am I going to wear at that event in three months? Who am I taking? What am I going to do? They're planning already. They want to know. That's, they're worried. They want to get rid of the worry. Some people wait till they get closer. Some people wait till the night before. Now they need to worry. What am I going to do? And as the planner or the producer, whatever you're calling yourself, you have to be prepared to deal with every single one of them. They all have an event <laughs> journey that's different and you have to deal with them all and you have to do it in stride because otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy, especially if you're one of those people that plans three months in advance and can't understand why people wait to the last minute. Because on the other end of the coin are those people who wait for the last minute and can't understand why you were so worried about it because even though they struggled a little bit to get there. They got there. Right. And it doesn't matter how they got there to them. They got there. So it's, it's about managing the people and having the right attitude and doing the best that you can every, every chance you get, because you will falter. We all falter. Mm -hmm. Some people get under our skin. Some people say the wrong thing at the wrong time and you know, you just can't control yourself and you just want to put them in their place. And you know, that's life. That's what keeps life interesting. Try not to say nasty things, try to stick to the truth and, uh, you know, be dignified. That's all there is to that. As I would always tell my daughter, when something goes wrong, it's an opportunity to show grace. Doesn't mean you always do, but it's an opportunity to show grace. It is that, and not only is it an opportunity to show grace, but it is the time when your grace has the best chance of being noticed and yes. recognized. So it's strategic if you think about it. It's not just the right thing to do for that person or whomever, it's the right thing for you to Absolutely. do it that way. Absolutely, 100%. When people go, wait a minute, yeah. they, they handled one under what conditions? Wow, that's awesome. I have to say this about one of D'Angelo's clients when we were doing an event last year and D'Angelo was off at another event and he was out of town. And so I was running, you know, kind of the lead, uh, representative plus i was performing in it and it was a great event it was a wonderful event and when i got there all the last minute things changed like everything and right. it was the first two hours for scrambling but it was right. it was fine and the reason is because everybody i was had the pleasure of working with on that event was just like okay we'll make it happen okay we'll make it happen Everybody was just like, yeah, we got to change everything right now. We got to, we've got to rearrange this and rearrange that. And oh, you didn't come with this. Oh, well, how do we get that? But nobody freaked out. Nobody was rude. Everybody showed grace. It was a wonderful event. Everybody loved it. Everybody was happy. 
and everybody looked good. Yeah, right. And that's key too, because again, we're people and we're in a people business and an mm -hmm. entertainment business, then we have to be ready to go with the flow and deal with whatever happens. That's, that's when success can be realized because you are in the moment, it's authentic, it's real, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, going to, it's going to translate. And it's only the professional that can handle that in that way. When somebody freaks out, here's the subtext. I'm nervous. You just scared me. I'm afraid I won't be able to give you what you want. I'm concerned I won't be able to deliver. I, I'm nervous as hell right now. That's the subtext behind the freak out. It's yes. not, it's not a, a, uh, an unwillingness. It's an inability. And, um, that's, I would attribute to the misconception that everybody who plays a guitar has the, has commensurate talent on that guitar and handles the guitar in the same way. That's, that's a misconception that some people have that needs to go away because mm -hmm. it's as individual as anything else. Right. And some, some people learn that guitar by picking it up and having an, an innate ability. And some people learn with an instructor and sheet music and song books and they read. And the difference it may not be one that you notice as an audience member, but it will be one that you notice as a producer or a planner because the difference will likely show its head, its face at the event. If somebody is a guitarist who has spent his life sitting behind a sheet, a book of music, sheet music, and has never really performed in front of an audience, that's what you're going to buy, is that person with the sheet music. When you ask that person, can you play? You're likely going to get a no or a freak out because that's not represented in the sheet music. It's not to say this person doesn't have talent because he's in the background or she's in the background and most people are listening. It's not a watching experience for them, right? And for them, it's just fine. It's just about the small detail of the ability. Whereas the guy or the gal who learned innately by ear could probably say, yeah, I could play that and do a beautiful Great. job and you'd be just as happy. But when you ask that person, hey, my friend Laura over there wants to sing a song and she's a great singer. Can you play for her? You're likely going to get uh, or some freak out because that person may not know how to read the music mm -hmm. that Laura. And so a wall goes up. Laura may not have music, but that's beside the point. What comes up is what I can't do. Right. For most people, not what I can do. And that's a different vibe. And it doesn't again mean they're being inflexible. They don't want to work with you. Nope. 
they are awful. It just means they don't have the wherewithal to make it happen for you. These are my tools in my toolbox. These are the ones that are not in my toolbox. You know, I did a show with somebody. She was a Juilliard trained pianist. She was brilliant, brilliant. She did not know how to follow a singer. So literally my friend had to go up and X out music. Like, don't play this note, don't play this note. You're not playing every note because now you're going to do, you're going to go into that minor key because she wants to end on that minor note and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And she came in, she did great job, but it was a lot of coaxing and hand-holding and literally rewriting her music for her because she was so, we are trained, I'm on that music. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's no, again nothing wrong with it, but not at all. She was brilliant. Right, but here's the point: we have to know what we're buying and what yes. we need. There are nuances, and that's why we spend a lot of time asking questions that I'm sure some people think may just be too much. But it's important for us to know, and we will likely ask those questions based on what you tell us. And we get an inkling of, oh, it sounds to me like they may want to do this. Let me ask and make sure that they want to so that we can ensure they can if, in fact, they want to with the talent that we book. You know, it's that kind of nuance that we're talking about. It's about understanding as much as you can in advance of what might happen before it happens so you can really experience. Uh, exceed expectations. And we got onto this topic in a roundabout way, but I'm so glad that we did because it's so important to be specific about what your goals and objectives are and what you need. It may be you need something really simple and that's okay too. There are tons of people who can do simple, but when you need something that's a little different a little nuanced, then you really need to think it through. <laughs> and, you know, I'm having something, uh, we're gonna wrap in just a second. That's a little teaser there. But I am working with our good friend, Sarah Brown, who we need to have on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. She is a local planner and she is so organized and buttoned up. And we're now going through a for an award show that she has produced for 15 years. and. We're getting through the nuances of the scripting and we are, we're quite honestly, I don't think we're yet on the same page as to how things should happen the way they need to happen. And that's okay because it's the dialogue and it's the thinking about those nuances that will get us to where we need to be. And, And it's my job to remind her about the audience and their perception and how it's going to feel for them. And keep in mind, as I'm doing that, the environment that I know that award show to be, which is to say, people may not listen if we're not succinct and we do mm-hmm. things in, in a clear, crisp order. They, we may lose them because they are not seated they're standing. It's, it's a very, it's a great event. We say, we say that always, and it really is because people are networking and the energy is fantastic, but they're not seated. So they're not 
a corralled audience. Mm -hmm. You're not demanding okay. attention by putting them in seats, right? So there's that 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 means that the show has to be written in a way that accommodates that. Because why do anything else? Why spend five minutes on dialogue for an MC to go on and on and on and on and on about something that nobody's going to listen to. You just need to sort of set the tone and go. And so it's a different, you know, it's, it's important to talk these things through. If the audience mm -hmm. was commanded, they were sitting there, then we'd want right. to give them more, you know, specificity and have a little bit more, um, pomp and circumstance, but they're not. So we want to be quick, efficient, use a variety of media formats to grab their attention and be done. And so, um, and again, I go on, I didn't mean to, but <laughs> that's the point about nuance. I'm talking too much. All right. We need to wrap. Tell me something that will make us wrap. Tell you well, I it, it, you may not have seen this, but I know where D'Angelo's taking you. We I said he's going to take you to Disneyland. He's always taking you to Ohio. Yes, he might just be taking me to Ohio. Ohio. So if we can, if we if we can work it out. Ohio. 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 Um, Ohio. Actually, I love Ohio. I've Not never been in August. You know, it was one of those states I had never been to either. I just just kept flying all around it. Never been there. But then suddenly I was there. Well, the interesting thing, the interesting thing is, though, is Youngstown, Ohio was where my father was raised. He was born in Gary, Indiana, but raised in Youngstown, Ohio. And I've never been. Gary, Indi Gary yeah. Indiana, Gary, Gary, Indiana, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. Yes. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, born and raised, and well, born and then I think at, at ten, nine or ten after Youngstown. Mm -hmm. Moved to Youngstown. Wow. Well, tell us where to go. We'll say hello to him to his house. If, if <laughs> I wouldn't know. His sister is is having a marriage, and uh, the whole family will be there. That's so cool. Yay! Celebration. Happy things. Yes. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we will be back with you next week. And we, gosh, we appreciate you listening to us. Please send us your comments, your concerns, uh, easily. Write at bolotta.com, B-O-L-L-O-T-A.com. Look for the podcast tab and uh, leave us your comment or concern right there in that little box. Hey, if you liked listening to us, give us five stars. If you loved listening to us, give us five stars. And if you didn't like listening to us, give us five stars. That's all I have to say about five stars. It's an easy uh, choice. Tell your friends about us. Keepless, that's right. It's easy. You don't have to think. You don't even have to count. You see the stars, you hit them all. That's all. That's all there is to it. Bada bing, bada boom. That's it for us. Make it a great day. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Try that again. Now again, that was bad. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a little hoarse today for some reason. Goodbye.
eye is a bone. Yeah.